morning, good evening, good afternoon. It's one of those, um, when I get to Durban and the heat starts to get to my brain, I'm never quite sure, thank you Steve, what time of day it is. Won't you go to Matthew chapter 14? Let's meet there. I referenced this scripture this morning, and I believe it's a, the word from the Lord for you folks as a church, and that's why I wanted to start there again tonight. Just as you guys are going there, how many of you guys have heard of Stevie Wonder? <clears throat> Tiger Woods? Anyone know Tiger Woods? One day they met in a pub, and they were talking, and Stevie Wonder is this blind musician, says to Tiger, you know what, I play golf as well, and I love it. And Tiger says, but, but you're blind. And he says, no, no worries, I, I can still play. So Tiger says, how do you play? He says, what I do is I've got a special caddy. He goes down the fairway, and he shouts out, and then I just hit the ball towards the noise. And Tiger says, that's amazing. And, and, and then how do you, how do you putt? He says, that's no problem. My uh, caddy lies on the, on the green, and he just whispers, yeah. And he taps towards the noise, and it's all good. So um, Tiger says, well, that's fantastic. What's your handicap? And he says, scratch. For those who don't know, it's the best handicap you get. And then Stevie, I was going to say Stevie looks at Tiger, but he couldn't really. He, fa he faces Tiger, and he says, let's have a round of golf. And on every hole, we're going to put $100,000. Tiger Woods, the number one golfer in the world, says, I can't play a blind man for money. But Stevie Wonder won't stop. He just says, come on, we've got to play, we've got to play. And eventually, eventually Tiger says, okay, let's play. When do you want to play? And Stevie Wonder looks at Tiger and says, you can pick any night next week. Things often don't turn out the way we imagined. I heard a fantastic story recently of two boys who were going along, and it wasn't too long before this dog, vicious burbul, kind of came out, and he was on the verge of biting one of the boys. And his friend thought quickly, he grabbed a hockey stick, and he stuck it down the dog's collar. And as it got into the collar, he twisted it and broke the dog's neck. And he saved his friend. Walking past just at that moment was a journalist. And the journalist ran up and said, well, I, I've never seen such an act of heroism before. And he looked at him and he said, well, South African boy, you've got to be a rugby supporter. So he, said, he took out his notepad and started to write, Stormer supporter bravely saves friend. And they go, no, 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 I'm not a Stormer supporter. He said, oh, okay, shark supporter bravely saves friend. And he said, I'm not a shark supporter. He said, well, what are you? He says, I'm a blue bull. So he takes the pen and he says, <clears throat> young man savagely kills dog. <laughs> Everything's different. In Matthew 14, from verse 22, the Bible says this, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. And while he went, uh, uh, while he sent the multitudes away, and when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat, won't you say boat? But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. 
Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled. In modern day language, they would say they were completely freaked out. And they shouted, is it a ghost? And they cried out in fear. And immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, chill, it's just me. That's kind of the message version. When last have you seen someone walk on water? It doesn't happen too often. I believe the word of the Lord to you folks as a church is you've got teaching. You've got a lot of that stuff on the inside of you. You know who you are in the faith. You know who you are as a Christian. You've come together. You've been committed. You've been faithful to come to this local assembly. You've been like a car coming to a garage. You've got petrol in your tank. Now I believe the Lord's saying, I want you to walk out of the church, not away permanently, but I want you to walk towards your dream. I want you to walk towards the thing that is your deep desire. God has called each and every person to do something specific. How do you know what that is? God has taken His will for your life and He's put it into your head in the form of desires. And one of the biggest things that Christians battle with most is they battle with this question. Well, I've got this desire, but isn't it just me? Of course it's just you. Who else is it going to be? But you see, before God lets you leave the factory floor of heaven, He puts His will on the inside of you. Imagine this. You're in heaven, God's busy making you, and then God puts His hand into this big bucket and He pulls out a dream. And one of the angels walks up to God and says, God, why have you made this person? And the Lord looks at the angel and says, I've made this person because I want them to do A, B, and C. And the angel frowns, scratches his head and says, how is this person going to find out the A, B, C that you want him to do? And just then God drops the dream into the person's heart. And God looks at the angel and says, I'm going to put a desire on the inside of him. And that desire, if he follows that desire, it'll take him directly to where I want him to be. All of you have got a desire. You see, most of us today want a map, but God's just given us a compass. You just need to follow that. Now, it's a God-given desire. Not every desire you have is from the Lord. We understand that. But God has put some desires on the inside of you. And so as we're focusing on walking, I really want to just tell you a little bit more about the last two and a half years in my life and um, how we have been walking. Um, and so I just want to give you some examples from that. For, how many of you weren't here this morning? Okay, for those folks, two and a half years ago, I was released from his people, which was my church at the time. And uh, long before that, a dream had begun to grow in my heart, which effectively was helping people to find their God-given purpose. But my passion was to follow and to reach people who, who are not in the church. I want to take church to people who don't normally come to church. Anyone interested in that? But when you do it, very often when you think about doing that at least, you think about, oh, but I can't preach, I can't teach, I don't know enough. And we think inside a church box. Do you know that God can call you to be a mechanic, 
to be an engineer, to be an entrepreneur, to be a housewife. God can call you to be anything. The truth is, right now, you are a minister. The Bible refers to this as the priesthood of all believers. Why don't you look at the person next to you? Put your finger on their nose. Would you do that? Won't you say, you are a minister? How many of you have got a dream? You have a little boy over there who's got a dream. Everyone's got a dream. If you don't know what it is, very often you've just got to dig down. And what I do on a full-time basis now is I work with the unsaved. And I only use that expression here because it's one we all understand. But, um, and I sit with them and I help them find their God-given purpose. But I do it in a non-churchy way. So I work with Muslims, with atheists. I've worked with a woman, a very high, um, execu- a high up executive who was into the new age. She had crystals and a whole bunch of weird stuff. And as I help them find their purpose in life, in a very non-churchy way, it's amazing how God always shows up. One of the best things you can do as a Christian, ladies and gentlemen, is just be normal. Just be normal. It's amazing. Church so quickly becomes a subculture. And in this church, we dress like this. And we talk like this. And so you hang out with someone, you say, I just want to share, my brother. And the world out there thinking, what? I know Christians who, when they get around unsaved sinners, and people who are, you know, really sinning, who you quickly want to get away because, you know, their demons might get into you, their sin might cover you. But you are the light of the world. They're the one that should run. So when the devil or the darkness is there, and I pitch, or you pitch, you see, you need to know who you are. So God is, I believe, saying to this church, He wants you to walk in your purpose. He wants you to walk in your purpose towards your dream. And so my dream for a long time, even as a pastor, was to help people find their purpose and help them live it. And so, two and a half years ago, we we were released from His People Church, and we started something called the Anything is Possible Foundation. And it exists to help people who are outside of the church find their God-given purpose. And so, as we've gone along um, with nothing, we started literally just with a dream. And as I said this morning, God, all the, all the while, God has provided all of our bills, all of our needs, all of the time. It's an amazing thing. I'll get around people whom some of them I don't even know too well, and God will speak to them, and they will just say to me, you know what, I've just got this overwhelming sense I need to give you some money. I don't, I don't solicit it. I don't ask for it. But what I've noticed is God drops into people's hearts, and you've suddenly just got the sense, I need to give this guy some money. And I'm talking about people who are not Christians. Because God owns the whole world and all the people. And so as we've been doing this, um, God's led me to one or two, uh, well, a lot more than one or two people. Let me just give you some stories. A girl called Robin came along and um, she got there and her, her initial story was, Gavin, I've got no idea what my dream is. Anyone there? A lot of people say, I've got no idea what my dream is. The truth is, that's not true. You actually do know what your dream is, and what you are saying to me effectively is you've forgotten what it is. So just 10 minutes with you, 
And in all likelihood, I can help you have your first glimpse of your dream. And so it wasn't too long before it came out that her big passion, because I kept saying, what is your passion? What would you love to do most? If money were no problem and success guaranteed, what would you really love to do? And I'll never forget this, Steve. She looked at me and she said, I just want to bake wedding cakes. <laughs> wedding cakes. You're going to rock the world with wedding cakes. And so we began to, I said, well, what about wedding cakes? Do you want to start a business around? So, the whole, so she started to tell me the whole business that she saw. But the trick is she needed to be trained first. And it's an amazing thing. As soon as you identify your dream and you walk, as soon as you take the step, something happens. She came to see me for the next appointment the following week. And she, uh, she looked at me and she said, Gavin, you won't believe what has happened. There's a coffee shop in uh, Durbanville called Vanilla, Vanilla something, I forget the name. And they are looking for someone that they could train specifically to make wedding cakes because the person who was doing it has now left. How, how many of you would like that to happen to you? Not only that, she goes on and now she's got her own business doing the things she loves doing most. Misha Cooper, you wouldn't know her name, but she came to see me probably about, about five months ago. She initially came to see me, she'd heard that I was a life coach because I, I've taken the title pastor, I've put it down and I'm now a life coach. Same thing, I'm an undercover pastor. And so Misha came to see me. Her marriage was on the rocks. It was a big shambles. She was involved in a job that she absolutely hated. And over coffee, we started to talk. What is your passion? Her passion was to have her own crush. And when she started to tell me about the kind of crush she had in mind, it wasn't the normal. It was, it was, some, it was a high-end high crush. The problem is she had no money. She didn't know how to start. And so all I did is I got her to write her dream down. And then it wasn't too long before our sessions together finished. She went off her way. And uh, two weeks ago, I got a phone call. And it's Misha. She said, won't you come along to this address? I want to show you something. I got there. And when we first met and started to talk, she told me that her dream was to have this crash called Zuzuland. In Parklands today, there is a crash called Zuzuland, and they've just taken on their 60th kid. How did that happen? Oh, she must really be close to God. And No, she just stepped. She took a step. She did something. Faith without actions. Yeah, most people think faith without hints is dead, but it's faith without actions. Like, there was a... There's a school in Durban called, uh, in Cape Town called Kenridge, and they've got an aftercare. I mentioned it this morning. And the woman who runs the aftercare asked if I would come along and run some sessions with the staff. There are 23 full-time women working at this aftercare. But Lorna, her name is Lorna and I, Lorna and I just connected. And her dream was to run kind of a preschool um, well, I'm not sure quite what you'd call She wanted to run a preschool and a thing where she can reach moms of newborn babies. 
But she wanted to do it in Kailicha. But how is she going to get started? I took her through a process of finding a purpose and I encouraged her to take a first step. But she was terrified. And so I had to build in her the guts to go. What does that mean? I simply just raised her faith level. How do you do that? I simply just taught her this. And the more she got repeating this, her faith level got up. And today, in site three in Kailicha, there are three big containers. And Monday to Friday, Lorna is there. She goes out there as a missionary to those moms. I remember doing a, um, a Designed with Destiny seminar in an Enghia church. I'll never forget this. But I advertised it not as a... I only used the Enghia church as a venue. So it wasn't an overtly Christian thing at all. And uh, I'm sitting waiting and the people start coming in and three Muslim couples come into the seminar. And because it was in the Enghia church, the Enghia Dumini just wanted to kind of start it off and kick it off and welcome everyone. And I wish you could have seen this guy's eyes when he saw these three Muslim couples. But on night three of the seminar, I was walking around. They were all busy doing an exercise that I'd just given them to do. And God spoke to me as clear as a bell. I had a prophetic word for this Muslim woman. And so I looked at her husband and I said, Sir, would you mind if I... I just said something to your wife. I've got this gift. Sometimes I can see things in people. I don't know where it comes from. <laughs> and so we did that, and she stood up, and she was all nervous. And she looks at me, and she says, you know, what, what exactly is it? And so I spoke to her, and I told her the prophetic word God had put into my heart. And it wasn't too long before she burst out crying. And so now here I am. I've got my arms around this Muslim woman, and I hear, I hear the Holy Spirit speak to me. It was more the Father's heart, because I had my arms around this woman, and I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, tell her how much I love her. I'd never realized God loves Muslims that much. I'd never experienced His love for Muslims that much. And so I was so focused on her, just loving her like this, that when I turned around, her husband standing like this. He looked shocked, like he'd just seen a ghost. And eventually when he could speak, he said, how did you do that? How do? I said, what? Because you and I believe in the prophetic, you and I flow in the gifts in church, so it's normal to you. Can you imagine flowing in the gifts out there in the world? The health department, I love telling the story, I don't think I've told you the story. The health department in the Western Cape phone me up and they say, would you come and facilitate um, a whole bunch of things? Basically, would you be the motivational speaker and would you facilitate some planning and a strategy session? We're going away to Club Mykonos. That's in Langabon on the West Coast. So as soon as I heard Club Mykonos, I said, praise the Lord, this must be God. So we went along. <laughs> I'll pray about it. Uh, yes, amen, it's there. <laughs> the fact that they would take my whole family for the weekend as well was also a big bonus. And so we get there, and the nice thing about this is I've got them for the weekend. They can go nowhere. And so we sit down for lunch the one day, and I make sure I'm sitting at the head of the table so I can see everyone. And as I'm sitting there, I'm just saying, God, won't you give me a word just for one person at the table? And so I always trust God for a word for the person furthest away from me. And I'll say, sorry, what's your name again? 
Listen, I've just got this gift. Sometimes I can see things in people, and I don't know where it comes from, but can I tell you, and I tell them, and then the, the rest of the people from the health department were sitting at this big table. They all look at me, because now they heard me saying it, then they look at her to say, is it true? And this woman says, how do you know? And then I mentioned something else, and you can see a little tear coming down. And all of these heads turn to me and say, tell me something, tell me something. So I got to prophesy over each and every one of them. I just didn't call it prophecy. Jesus, walking on the water. Remember that portion of scripture we read? Jesus was walking on the water. They thought he was a ghost. The water, the sea, speaks of masses of unsaved humanity. Do you know where those people are? They're in your workplace. They're in your neighborhood. What about going out there? Now, don't go out there like a preacher. Go out there and simply do this. Simply ask or find out what are their needs and how can you meet their needs in a way that will thrill you. Can you imagine a life where... You wake up in the morning and you can't wait to get to work because it's the thing you love doing most. I'll never forget, I went, um, God's opened up a door for me to become the official life coach for the Springbok Sevens. And so um, I work with them, I, we develop, uh, I, I help them through life issues, but I develop, um, uh, we deepen the will to win, we deepen belief, we work a whole bunch of things. And um, so last, last May, we were on the verge of winning the World Series, so I went over with the side to London and Scotland. And uh, on the Thursday night before the tournament started, I said, guys, we're going to have a Bible study in my room tonight. And so I thought maybe three or four of the Christians in the side would come. The entire team came. We had to move the meeting into the corridor. I've still got photographs. All The whole side's over here. Some of these guys had never heard of the concept of a cell group before. So two of them said to me, would you mind coming to our place and starting a, cell group, a, 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 a meeting, which is a cell group, because I want my wife and my friends to hear what you've got to say. You know how it happened? Because it took a step. Most, most people I know have got an idea of their purpose. Hulle is net te bang om iets daaroor te doen. That's my Afrikaans. How many of you would say that at this point in time, your life is the abundant life Jesus bought for you at the cross? How many of you are living a life now that to you feels like it's abundance? How many of you have got a life right now that you feel, man, I absolutely love what I do? I see that hand. Not many. The truth is most people hate the job they go to. You pray for 5 o'clock and you fast and pray for Friday. Please, just let this thing get past me. Can you imagine a life where what you do is your passion? If you can, if you can imagine that, then you've 
got a picture of what, I'm, of what my life is like. And please, I'm not here as a pastor. Remember, I put that title down. I'm here as just a nocha oak. I'm here as a Christian. I wanted to come and talk to you tonight a little bit about the normal Christian life. The normal Christian, as we, the, the congregation, we've set the bar so low. Most people define their Christianity by the fact that they go to church. Cease. Where is the power? Where is the leading of God? Where is the, 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 the supernatural provision of God? Is your life an example of what, the Christ, of what Christianity is meant to be? If your life were put on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Does God want you to come to church? Yes. But the church is like a garage. You're meant to get filled so that you can go. How many of you want to go? How many of you know there's more and you want more? You know how it's going to start? Number one, it's going to start with you getting a picture in your mind of what it is you're wanting to do. Simply take some time to quieten yourself down and say, ask yourself this question, what is the burning desire of my heart? It can be being a mom, it can be being an engineer, a doctor, whatever it might be. One of the big lies that has crept into the church, I wouldn't even surprise me if the devil didn't throw it in like a paper airplane. And the whole picture that's coming out is this. If I'm really moving in my purpose, then I'm surely going to be a pastor one day. Most of you, if not all of you, were never ever called to be in the pulpit. Does that mean you've got no calling? No, we've all got a calling. Simply look at what you've got and what you know. I want to give you a key now. Please don't miss this. Simply take a moment to think, what have you got, what skills and things, and what do you know? And then look around the people that surround you and ask this question. What needs do they have that my skill set can meet? You see, when I go out to people, I don't go out with the intention of preaching Jesus. I go out with the intention of meeting their need and loving them. And it's not too long before they want to know more. So one of the things we can do is we do the... Um, I used to do a premarital counseling course in the church. And so what we've done, I mentioned this, uh, this morning as well, is I've reworked it. To be, and we now call it the marriage recipe. And so we've de-churchified it. And uh, so what happens, people come along, they get a manual, they join the course. We'll start off with a glass of red wine. I can already hear someone manifesting, but that's... In the winter, the fireplace is going. They'll have a glass of red wine. And often what happens is the woman comes through the door smiling and she's dragging her husband because the men typically don't want to go for counsel or coaching. So we call it marriage coaching now. And so I began to think, how can I take... I, I ask myself the question, what is it that I know that people out there need? Most people have got no idea how a marriage is meant to work. Because I've been in the church, I learned how marriage works. And so now I've simply packaged it in a user-friendly way, and I take it to people who've never heard that. And so what we've done now is there's a company called SA Weddings. It used to be Cape Weddings. It's the number one wedding website. They have thousands upon thousands of hits daily. 
And most people who are going to get married will go onto the site because it's a comprehensive website that tells you where to get this and where to get that and how to do the whole story. So I've partnered with them, and they send out all the, all the stuff they send out. They now tell them about the marriage recipe. And what I get connected with people who are so different to you and I, it'll make your skin crawl. I've got this one couple, I definitely won't mention their names, but I sat with them and we're now going to do the course. And so I sit with them one-on-one, sometimes I do it in a big group, do it one-on-ones as well. And so I I asked the guy, I said, "Um, have you had many relationships before? And he sat back and he said, "Um, he said, not actual relationships, but I've had two, but I've had many. And then he said a word that I definitely can't repeat here. But I, could, I sat there when he said this groot fluk word. And I thought to myself, most Christians sitting here right now would probably just fall over in absolute horror. But you know what? When I'm around sinners that sin, it doesn't freak me out. Because dogs bark, cats meow, sinners sin. So if you're around a sinner that sins, don't get surprised. That's what sinners do. And so slowly but surely, I'm now trying to work this thing towards, towards God. So it's not too long before I go straight for the children question. And I say, um, how are you going to raise your children? And I start talking. And I, and I said, on what foundation do you want to build your children's lives? And straight away they become religious. Oh, no, no, we'll, we'll build it on the church. But they were just flicking. And so it wasn't too long before we go down that road. And there's a restaurant called Cafe Chameleon in Panorama in Cape Town. The guy who owns it is Nico. And in this nice restaurant, there's a boardroom on the one side. And he's basically given me the boardroom for free. So myself and this couple are sitting in the boardroom. And the meeting started with them flicking and swearing. The meeting ended with both of them, children of the king. Born again. And I never had a Bible there. I wasn't there as a pastor. I was simply there as a Nocha Christian who loves people and who wanted to help them meet their needs. How long have you guys been coming to church? How many of you have been coming for more than five years? Keep your hands up. In that five years, how much have you learned? Thank you. You can put your hands down now. Have you learned about marriage? Have you learned about relationships? Have you learned about how to forgive? People out there often don't even understand how to forgive. One of, one of the sevens, one of the, um, if I mentioned his name, you'd know him, he's one of the, the Springbok sevens. Two days before the side was going to leave for the World Cup, uh, Paul True phoned and he said, please meet with this guy, we've got a, a big issue. He's one of the senior players and um, all the different countries that they go to play in, he had girlfriends in several countries. And now he was getting serious with one in Canada. <laughs> and she had just found out about all the others. And now she left him two days before they leave. And so eventually I got both of them to my lounge. And I said, you're going to have to forgive him. And she said, what? I will never forgive him. And I said, well, you're just saying that because you've got no idea what forgiveness means. And all I said to her about forgiveness, you could have said as well. Because for you and I as Christians in the church, this stuff is so normal and everyday. Out there, people don't live like this. 
if you take what you know to people who've never heard, just be normal. Don't be all super Christian, super spiritual. Bless God. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God, brother. Just be normal. One of the biggest things is we just need to be normal. I want to tell you about this before. How much time do we have left, Steve? Okay. 8 o'clock, that's 45 more minutes. I was going to say 45 more minutes. <laughs> Everywhere I go, since we've left his people, the wind of the Holy Spirit is blowing me towards the Burkis. And in particular, the Enchir Church. So I've got to preach... In Enchir churches, I've been everywhere. I'm, I'm always with Afrikaans people. It's quite funny. It seems that God's wind just blows me there all the time. And the one woman in one of our meetings, her name is Iana, she says to me, would you mind meeting with me? I'm going to get a whole bunch of women, and I'd like you to talk to us about, or a whole bunch of women and men, I want you to talk to us one morning about parenting and how to help your children find their purpose in life. So I arrive at the church thinking, I'm the man, I'm going to do this thing, you know, there's this big meeting, God's opened the door, and I get there, and it's Iana, and it's three other women. I was prepared for this big meeting, and there's me and four women, and I'm thinking, oh God, have I missed it? Because we all love the story of you got there, and the hall was packed with people, and the glory came down, and you know, everyone spoke in tongues, and God understood Afrikaans and stuff, but it does, you know... So we, we went to a corner of the, of the building and I, I said, look, we're not going to run the seminar because it's just a small number, but let me, let me teach you something from the Bible anyway. And these, I was amazed at how little these women knew. And as I began to teach the stuff you and I know so well, not great ecclesiastical, ontological, epistemological great revelation, just Jesus loving you. It was so new to them that they said, next Thursday, please. So I got there next Thursday. They went from four to about eight. And then the whole thing got to about 13, 11, 12, 13 people. And I met with them for around six to seven months every Wednesday morning. Eventually, after about six, seven months, we could just feel that the time, the season for this thing was over. Most Christians I know would want to turn that into a church and it must now keep going. It didn't have to keep going. God started it. We did what we had to do, and it was finished. So what now? Each of the women in this group, and there were three men that eventually joined as well, they are all doing something. One woman that came along, her name is Sonia. She's a prophetess. She said, I, I really battle with the church, and I think I'm going mad. That's, that's what she said when I met her. I said, why? She said, I just seem to know things about people without anyone telling me, and my Dominic told me I must be on drugs or something. She's a bona fide prophetess. She can tell stuff about your life. She, she had no idea what that was. And so we dusted off all the nonsense off her life. I began to teach her. Now she flows in the prophetic massively. Her purpose, or her dream rather, was to design a bin, a dirt bin, that would facilitate waste um, recycling. How many of you got a dream to design a bin? first time she said this to me, Steve, I thought, I need dream, man. <laughs> Long story short, 
She's now selling thousands of thousands of these bins in the Western Cape on a weekly basis. You know, before aeroplanes existed, it first started in the mind of a man or a woman. Every great thing begins its life in the form of an idea. How many of you, how many of you guys have got some ideas that seemingly have been there for a long time? Anyone? Could you imagine if Henry Ford never acted, never walked out his passion for motor cars? What would the world have lost? Can you imagine if the Wright brothers thought about flying and they thought, ah, no, it's not really for us. What would the world have lost? Can you imagine if the Apostle Paul, sitting in prison, picked up his big pen and he was going to start writing letters and he thought, ah, I can't be bothered. What would the world have lost? Three quarters of the New Testament. What if the Virgin Mary had had an abortion? What would the world have lost? The idea that's on the inside of you, I dare you to act on it. The Bible says in Romans 8, that as many as are led by God, these are the sons of God. And that scripture literally says, for as many as are being continuously led. Most Christians I know go to church, come home, go to their work, and that's their daily cycle. How many of you can honestly say that your Christianity is like an adventure? Again, not many hands. Christianity is meant to be the biggest thrill that you could ever imagine. So what do you do with this idea? I dare you to simply start to act on it. How many of you can do that? Just act on this thing. Our time is nearly up, but I, I kind of feel it to go in a different direction. Won't you stand with me? Can we just wait on the Holy Spirit? Won't you just forget about the people around you? As I'm going, I've still got a lot more I can say. I just sense the Holy Spirit saying, stop, you've said enough. When the Holy Spirit first called me into the ministry many years ago, I remember him saying that if you get into the pulpit, I would get into the pews. So I want to give the Holy Spirit opportunity to do whatever it is he wants to do. Why don't you raise your hands just as a way of saying, Father, I surrender to you. That's all it means. Holy Spirit, won't you come? Lord, I can use the fanciest words, the most elaborate illustrations, but Lord, they're just words unless you come. So Holy Spirit, in the name of the resurrected Messiah, in the name of Jesus Christ, I ask that you would come. I ask for an outpouring of your presence right now to empower people to step out into their destiny. To follow you, not just to run after some weird idea, but to walk with you towards the thing you always wanted them to walk towards. Lord, won't you release and unleash a spirit of courage upon this church? Holy Spirit, won't you come? Won't you come and do in these people's hearts what no man could ever achieve?
I hear the Holy Spirit speaking to many of you. I see pictures coming to many of your minds right now. And you're starting to wrestle with, well, is this me or is it God? Or There's someone here tonight, and as we've been praying, it's like you can feel a tingling all over your body. Who's that? Won't you come out if that's you? As we were praying, as I started to pray, it's like you can feel a tingling all over your body. you why don't you come over here let's come over here Janet would you come with us why don't you close your eyes let's just stay in the spirit why don't you come here ma'am let's just focus over here Father in the name of Jesus of Nazareth I ask for an unleashing of your Holy Spirit won't you fill her afresh Father saturate her with your presence In the name of Jesus, your kingdom come, your will be done in this woman's life, Father. Holy Ghost, I release her into you. Won't you flood her with your presence? Father, I thank you for an outpouring and an upwelling of your presence in the name of Jesus. I ask that you'd open these ears to hear that which you are saying to these precious women right now, Father. Not just a moment of great feeling, not just a moment of feeling your presence and your peace, but Father, I ask for a God for something that will turn their lives. Just forget about the people. Stay there. Just wait. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your presence. I come against every distracting spirit in the name of the resurrected Messiah. We bind your work, Satan. I resist you in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your freedom. I see in my heart someone riding a bicycle or your dream involves riding a bicycle of some kind. I don't really know what it means. Who's that here? You, in your heart, there's something to do with a bicycle. Anyone here? Wave your hand. Is that you? Okay, I don't want to be embarrassed. Very often people come to me afterwards and say, that was me. How many of you guys have got a clear dream? How many of you, would, how many of you want God to deposit into your life a spirit of courage to act? Because when you step out, I guarantee you there's going to be fear. What if it doesn't come through? What will people say? Won't I look like an idiot? How will I cover the bills? All of these things. How many of you want that? If that's you, won't you lift up your hands? Let's together ask God for an outpouring of that. Father, in the name of the resurrected Messiah, every heart that is lifted to you, I ask that right now, by your Holy Spirit, you would deposit and unleash on the inside of them that which you've already put there. Won't you unleash the courage of the Lion of Judah? Won't you release in them the faith to go Won't you push back 
the hedges of fear. In the name of Jesus. Won't you anoint them to take your kingdom to places so unique. Take them to the the business world. Take them to the marketplace. Take them to the professional sports world. Take them into health, into, into education. I ask, Father, that you would take this congregation, that you would empower her, and that you would send this body into the different corners of Durban. Mobilize your church, Father. Mobilize your church in the name of Jesus. I just really saw some people that were seeing some pictures, and maybe you don't know what those pictures are about. But um, I'd encourage you, just as you're looking around now, that those prophetic pictures, those images that you just, like now the story of the bicycle, that um, maybe you're seeing some pictures, you don't understand what it's for. But those are ideas that the Holy Spirit has planted in other people, dreams that other people have been given by the Holy Spirit. And by you sharing that prophetic picture, that courage that we've just been spoken about now would come up inside of them because they will know that the Lord has spoken to you to prophesy that very same picture into that dream. Courage will be birthed, faith will be birthed, and there will be an action from that. So I encourage you, if, you, if you're getting any pictures right now, you're saying, oh Lord, I've got an overload of pictures, I don't know what it's about. Look around and ask the Holy Spirit to show you who they're for and to bring them. They'll bring faith in their hearts because they'll know that that dream isn't just their own thoughts, but it's a God-given dream by His Spirit. Good word, Jimmy. Somebody SMS me the other day a scripture. And it's such a basic thing to do just to say, I felt the scripture for you. But I can't tell you how long it's been since that happened and what an encouragement it was when I read that verse. And I think that's what Jimmy's talking about. Just those promptings of, of the prophetic, of pictures of words um, that, that go a long way to help confirm other people because an airplane when it lands it needs more than one light on the runway and when lights line up through the prophetic word through circumstances through doors open it, it does ha- uh, help us uh, f- friends around us who pray for us those lights line up because a message like this is not on the first whim Okay, that means I'm selling, leaving my business, leaving my family because the Lord said go to Hong Kong. But it's, God guides, He'll provide, but He'll also give you wisdom in leadership. It, uh, that's the heart it's coming from. You can see why I wanted to get Gav here this weekend. Is, um, the, the main reason is it's one thing to talk the theory about this stuff. And we can do that. We can talk the theory about dreaming and, and to some measure we've all we are living in some part of our dream. But when you meet someone who who's just seemed to have broken through some boundaries and because it's in the marketplace, often people look at those in ministry kind of living some dream and they think that's the only kind of dream. But when you hear that that it's actually for where you are, the opportunity, the blank canvas that you've got in your situation right now, that brings hope. And courage. And now it's a matter of stepping out. One step at a time. One light at a time down the runway. Amen. Gav, thanks for being with us, Pat. Appreciate your friendship and the ministry. Yeah, let's thank the Lord for that. And to everyone else.